obviously this is such an exciting time for us as we get ready to take some some major steps as a church, um, and, and we're going to talk about that in, in detail at the end of our service, but I want to dive right in today to our message. I want to talk to you about the God who provides. Um, I, it, this was not even what we were supposed to be doing or what we had planned, but God has just kind of wrecked a lot of our plans the last week in really cool ways. Um, and so Travis, I promise you last week, Travis would be preaching today. Travis didn't get fired. Um, we're, we're not like giving him the boot. Uh, he, he didn't decide he didn't want to. He's going to speak in two weeks. We're, we're going to fill that in here on September the 10th. Um, but I felt like I needed to share with you today about God's provision um, because I, I'm standing in the midst of watching God provide in some very amazing ways, and, and, and I think um, we all need to be reminded that God provides sometimes. So perhaps you've heard the term before, Jehovah Jireh. Raise your hand if you've heard the term Jehovah Jireh. Most of us are familiar with that term, right? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Well, Bible scholars actually tell us that that was, a, that was an Anglican mistransliteration, uh, and, and so it's actually not the pr- correct pronunciation. So if you want to be technical, it's actually Yahweh Yira. Yahweh Yira is, is the more correct pronunciation. I don't think it's a huge deal if you pronounce it the Hebrew correctly or not. Um, like, we're not Hebrew. Uh, and I think God knows what we mean when we say it. But just, just for the, those who uh, care about such things, it, it should actually be Yahweh Yira. Either way, it means my God who provides. And what I want to do today is I want to take you into the story that first gives us this term place where this first pops up in Scripture, and it's in Genesis chapter 22. If you got your Bible, open to Genesis chapter 22. Looking around, I, I see mostly very familiar faces, people who I know uh, have been in the church for a while and been a part of the family of God probably even for much longer. So this will probably be a fairly familiar passage for you. This is the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac, where we first encounter this term, Yahweh, Yirah. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, or he said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied, when when God calls your name, that's the best response, right? Right here. What can I do for you? So Abraham says, here I am with no idea what God is about to ask him. Verse 2, it says, then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, the son of the promise, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burning offering on a mountain I will show you. Isaac was was not just Abraham's only son. He, He was the son of God's promise. He was the son that God had promised him would come. He was the miracle baby. He was the baby that Abraham had at 100 years old, uh, which is a miracle, and that Sarah had at 90 years old, which might be the greater miracle, right? Like both of them are miraculous uh, on, on many levels if you think it through real, real in depth. You'll see a lot of miracles going on there. Uh, but, but the baby was miraculous. It's not supposed to happen according to our, our physical laws. But God said, no, you've been barren for so long. You've been together for so long. You've been believing for a baby for so long, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to not just bless you with the baby, but I'm going to bless you with the baby who's going to bless the world. I'm going to make many nations out of, your, out of your seed. I'm going to make a great nation, an important nation out of your child, Isaac. Now, now, Scripture doesn't tell us how old Isaac is when God makes this request in Genesis chapter 22. I did some research on this, and, and Bible scholars are, are, are kind of all over the place. We know he's somewhere between 4 and 36, 
real, real, real wide uh, time frame there, right? Because there's, there's previous events that happen when he's four, and, and then his mom passes away when he's 36, and we know that she passed away after this. Uh, so it's somewhere in there. I don't know about you, but in, like, cartoons growing up when I was a kid and in any representation, we always kind of think of Isaac as, like, six, seven, eight years old, right? Like this young boy, this kid city age boy. Bible scholars actually lean more to the other end of the spectrum. Almost all of them think he was at least 20. Some think he was as old as 33. This, this was a full-grown young man. Uh, and, and there's some reasons why they believe that, uh, that we'll see and we'll discover in the text. But just to kind of paint the picture for you, this isn't just Abraham taking his little boy up to make a sacrifice. This is an, an old man taking a young man on a journey together. Verse 3 tells us this, says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey. I love that phrase, early the next morning. God's asked Abraham for the most difficult thing I can imagine being asked. The most difficult request God could ever make of somebody, and and God's never made this request since, and he's not going to. Um, but, But what an incredible ask, and early the next morning, Abraham gets up to take his son. Now, we don't see... Sarah in this story. We don't know what's going on with her. I think we don't see her in the story because I think Abraham just didn't tell her what's going on. So me, and, me, me and Isaac, we're going to go camping for a couple days, baby. We'll be, we'll be back, right? Because if, if Abraham told Sarah what was going on, I think Mama Bear would show up in the story kicking and screaming at some point, right? Uh, so, so I think she just was left out of the loop. Um, but, but Abraham and Isaac get up early the next morning. He obeys God. He gets up early the next morning and he loads his donkey. It says he took with him two of his servants along with his son Isaac. When they had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to the servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Now, this is one of the reasons why we always get this picture of him as six, seven, eight years old. Because they translate this Hebrew word as boy. The, boy, the word can actually be translated as, as, as many different things. It can be translated as servant. It can be translated as helper. Um, it can be translated as young man. Um, but, but I think boy is fine because I think when you're 100 something years old, everybody's a boy. Right? Like a 33-year-old, you're young. You're just getting started out in life, right? So I think, I think boy still works. I think Abraham very easily could have reserved, you know, referred to his adult son Isaac as a boy, and it wouldn't have seemed extremely weird in context. Uh, so he said, me and the boy, we're going over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went on together. This is one of the reasons why, why scholars believe that Isaac was much older than most of our pictures, because the wood for the burnt offering, that this wasn't just a couple of pieces of kindling. This was a significant altar that had to be built, and, and Isaac carries it alone. Abraham's too old to be able to carry it, too feeble. Uh, it says that Abraham carried the, the fire and the knife. That, that was all that he could manage was the lighter and the knife, but Isaac bears the brunt of the load of the labor. It says the two of them went on together. Verse 7, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. So we know that Isaac's old enough to start adding things up. He, he, something is missing in this picture, Dad. You say, we're going to make a sacrifice. We're going to worship God. We're going to go build this altar with all this wood that you cut down. 
I'm carrying all this stuff. What are we putting on this wood? And Abraham, with, with no scriptural indication that God made him this promise, no scriptural indication that God said anything of the like, Abraham says, God will provide the sacrifice. So first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes today is this. God always provides. You see, Abraham trusted in God's character. He trusted in God's faithfulness. He trusted that God was a provider. He did not see the provision. He did not know where the provision would come from. But he knew, if God is calling me to this, if God is asking me to go to this, somewhere in this picture, God is going to provide. He's going to show up. He's going to do something. I don't know what situation you're going through today, City Church. I don't know what provision you need from God, but I can promise you this. My God always provides. It's who he is. It's what he does. It's how he rolls. He is a provider. God always provides. Abraham trusted in that, and he knew that. Verse 9, it says, when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there. And he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. He walks out the entire process in obedience. And you can just imagine, I, 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 I'm guessing Abraham is probably closer to God in this moment than any minute he's been because he's probably spent the last three days nonstop praying under his breath. I don't want Isaac to hear what I'm praying about, but I'm just talking to God. God, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't know what you're up to, but there's got to be something. You're going to show up somehow. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why you asked me this. I, I, I imagine the conversation between Abraham and God hasn't stopped for three days. And while the conversation is going on internally, externally, Abraham is walking out exactly the last instructions that God had given him. He binds up his son. He lays him on the wood. He grabs the knife. And then verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Same response as he had three days ago. Here I am, Lord. Thought you weren't going to show up. Started to wonder when you were going to, man, man, maybe you forgot my phone number. Maybe you don't have cell service. I don't know. I was wondering what was going on. You showed up just in the nick of time. You ever heard it said, right, that, that God's never late, but he's not often early, not always early. He wasn't early here, right? But he wasn't late. He showed up at the exact right moment, the exact moment when he needed to. You might be waiting on God's provision. You may have been believing for God's provision in a certain area of your life for a long time. And you may be wondering, where is God? Can I tell you this? A lot of times God's not early. A lot of times he, he doesn't show up when we want him to, but he will not show up too late. He always brings his provision in time. He showed up for Abraham just in time, perhaps even for Isaac more just in time. Verse 12, he says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket. He saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Next thing I want you to write down is this. God's provision is full of surprises. You know, I believe that Abraham was asking God the whole way, God provide. God show me. God get me out of this. God change your mind. God do something, do something, do something. 
I don't know that Abraham knew exactly how this was going to go down. I, I don't know that he knew he was going to get all the way to the point of lifting the knife. I don't know that he knew he was going to get to the top of the mountain or that the ram was already going to be there when they got there and they just weren't aware of it. My, my guess is there were some surprises along the way with this. And, and the same is so often true for us. Many times God's provision doesn't look like what we expect it to look like. It doesn't show up the way that we expect it to show up, but that doesn't mean that God isn't providing. The, the children of Israel, God leads them across the wilderness, out of Egypt. They had no food. And so God starts showing up, and he gives them manna, bread from heaven on the, on the ground to eat every day, quail every night for dinner. It, it was, he, he provided, and yet they felt like the provision wasn't what they wanted. We ate better when we were slaves back in Egypt. We should have never left back there. How often do we look at God's provision and tell God that's not good enough? How often do we look at what God has done and say, that doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. It doesn't look like the way I thought this was supposed to go down. And we reject the very provision from God. Like, we got to be grateful. For God's provision, you've got to be prepared for the fact it may not look the way we expect it to look. That job may not turn out the way we expect it to turn out. That relationship may not always go the way we expect it to go. That doesn't mean God didn't provide. That doesn't mean God isn't at work. It doesn't mean that God isn't there. His provision is often full of surprises. When, when I was at church on the move where I interned and where I met my wife, Pastor George, the pastor there, would, would often use an illustration. He, he would say that, that many times God will lead us to one thing simply in order to set us in position to lead us to another. And that thing isn't really the destination. It's just simply something that gets me where I can now see where God is leading me to the next thing. I've experienced this in my life so many times. Simply going to Oklahoma was that. When I first went to Oklahoma to intern, here was my plan. I was going to go to Oklahoma for a year. I was going to be an intern and learn as much as I could from this amazing youth ministry. I was going to go back home to North Carolina. I was going to be my youth pastor's assistant youth pastor, and that was as big as the vision that I had was. God had a different plan. He didn't let me go home after one year. He said, no, I want you to stay. I didn't want to stay, but he wanted me to stay. So he kept me there for a second year. In fact, opened incredible doors for me to stay for the second year. And then after that, I kind of started getting into it, and I started, kind of started liking it and seeing that, that there was some benefit in this. And, and he ended up keeping me there for four years. And, and when I did eventually move home to North Carolina, it was simply as, as an in-between place where I knew that God was taking me somewhere else to be a youth pastor. I knew I wasn't going back to North Carolina for any length of time. I was back there for about three months. And then God brought me here. You see, God took me to Tulsa so he could bring me to Mississippi. If God would have told me straight up, I'm taking you to Mississippi, I'd have said, I'm good. Right? Like, man, I'm happy where I'm at, God. That's not, that's not your plan for me. Come on, get behind me, Satan. Right? Have some bad perceptions of Mississippi, if I'm being honest. But you guys have exceeded my expectations. God's provision has been full of surprises. And now this is home. I've been here 12 years. It's where my heart is. This is where I want to be. And, and, and I never would have gotten here if God had not first taken me on that route. And so many times God's direction is simply to lead you to something else. But I believe his provision may lead you to some other provision as well. And so don't think that God is done just because you've arrived at a new season or a new phase. God's provision is many times full of surprises. Sometimes it may not look the way you want it to look, but it will always be exactly what you need. 
So, so I believe that God has some greater blessings, some greater provisions in store for his people. I believe that we serve a God who, who's always moving us from glory to glory. Um, and, and, and so verse 14, we see this famous statement. It says, Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. Everybody say the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Yahweh Yirah, the Lord will provide. Can you get that in your heart today, City Church? Can you just just tattoo that on your heart, not literally, but, but can you just imprint that on you that the Lord will provide seven millennials just made an appointment at a tattoo parlor. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Shouldn't have said that. Some tattoo artist just got rich because I just said something. Um, can, can you imprint that on your heart? Yahweh, Yira, the Lord will provide. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know this, the Lord will provide. It's who he is, and it's what he does. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yirah. The Lord will provide. From this story, I want to show you today three areas of life where you can trust that the Lord will provide. Three areas of your life and my life and our life as a church where we can trust God to be our provider. Number one is this very simply. God provides externally. Externally, what, what are those external needs, those physical needs, those, those financial needs, those, the, those needs that are outside of us, man, those needs for safety and security, those needs for, for, for a place to stay, those needs for food and provision. God provides externally. This is what we usually think of when we say God provides, right? This is what we usually think of when we say God blesses us is we think of these external things. Well, well God provided externally for Isaac and for Abraham, verse 13 said, Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. God provided for their physical need. They needed a sacrifice. He literally provided the sacrifice for Abraham. And I believe he will literally provide for you whatever it is that you need as well, and I, I believe that because this carries out all throughout Scripture. This doesn't start here in Genesis 22. It doesn't end here in Genesis 22. This is the theme that God repeats all throughout His Word. If we go back to, to the very beginning, to Adam and Eve, Genesis 3:21, they sin, they messed up, and look what happens in their sin, in their unfaithfulness. It says, "And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed." From the very beginning, obviously he provided them the Garden of Eden. We could go even far, further back than that in this amazing place to say. But even when they disobeyed, even when they rebelled, even when they were unfaithful, God was still faithful. That's the God that we serve. So sometimes we think that, that anytime we, we're not seeing God's provision or things aren't going exactly the way we want them to, that that means somehow that we messed up or God's mad at us. And there are times where our disobedience leads to destruction. Don't get me wrong. But, but there are also times where we may be obeying and the provision is just delayed, but that doesn't mean it's denied. doesn't mean it's not on its way. And so Adam and Eve, even in their rebellion, God was still good. Even in my rebellion, God is still good, amen? Even when I blow it, even when I mess up, he is still 
good. And we can come all the way forward into the New Testament. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, we, we studied this not too long ago as we looked through Philippians chapter 4. But it says this, it says, and my God will meet. Another translation says supply. Other translation says provide. My God will meet. He will supply. He will provide all my needs. Everybody say all my needs. All my needs according to your riches. And the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus. A couple years ago, uh, this probably wasn't even a need. This was probably a want. This is how good our God is. Sometimes he doesn't just provide our needs. Sometimes he provides our wants. Not always. He doesn't always provide our wants. But sometimes he just goes above and beyond. And so I, I got to a place where I really wanted a truck. Right? Like it's, it's, time, it's time to grow up. It's time to be a man. I need a truck. Um, and, and, and we didn't have it to go out and purchase a truck. And my wife's work had a truck, and, and they decided to upgrade it. They'd owned it since it was first made, and, and they were ready to go out and purchase a new one. And, and, and long story short, they offered it to us for $1,000 when it was worth far more than that. And we're like, okay, we can come up with $1,000 for a truck. So now two years and, and 30,000 and plus miles later, we've had this truck and enjoyed this truck and, and had so much benefit of this truck. And yesterday we had a yard sale at the house, uh, and, and the truck was not for sale. But I got somebody who came and was like, how much do you want for the truck? And, and basically offered me upwards of $3,000 for the truck that I've used for two years and purchased for $1,000 two years ago. We don't even know if we're going to sell it. We haven't made that decision yet. We, we, got, a, we got a choice to make now but we know this God has provided man he's provided more than enough he's given us greater than what we possibly could have asked him for or believed him for God provides Yahweh Yira but he doesn't just provide externally he doesn't just provide those those physical needs that we want more importantly I believe number two God provides for us internally internally he's a God who provides internal things. Here's the big question we always get when we read this story in Genesis 22, right? So there's two questions, really. The first question is, why would God ask for that? The second question is, how could Abraham do it, right? Like, if you're a parent in this room, if you're a father or a mother, this story messes with your brain, right? Like, let's just be honest. This is not comfortable. How in the world? Could I take this, this incredible gift from God, this thing that he blessed me with that, that I've had to do so much to, to train and to raise up and provide for, and I've invested so much in, and that's just us. That's not the baby of the promise. That's not the miracle baby that God said, I'm going to give you after decades of waiting for. And not only am I going to give it to you, but I'm going to bring a great nation through him and bless the whole world. Man, Abraham had to be so jacked up emotionally. This had to be so conflicting. Like, there had to be some real, like, is this God even worth serving moments for Abraham? This had to be so difficult. How did Abraham even do it? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. So I will give you my opinion. So if you want to ignore the next three minutes of this message, you want to send somebody a text message or make an order for lunch, here's your three minutes to do it. But here's what I truly believe. I don't believe Abraham did it on his own. I believe that the same God who made the big request gave the big strength. I believe that God gave him the ability to step out in faith and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work. But I know you were good. Now, did Abraham have to be obedient? Yes. I'm not saying God made Abraham do it. 
But I am saying he gave him the ability. He gave him the strength. Abraham still had to choose to walk in it. He still had to go and, and, and not know what's going to happen. But God gave him the power. He gave him the strength to walk in it. And you see, Abraham didn't even have what you and I have. The Holy Spirit didn't live in him yet. Jesus hadn't died and risen from the dead yet in order to send his Holy Spirit to live in us. But you and I, we do. And so when God asks us for something, whether it's in scripture or whether it's through his voice in our heart, I want you to know this. God is going to give you the strength equal to the task. So often we ask for a task equal to the strength. Right? Well, this is all I can do, God, so that's all I'm going to do. And, and, and that's where I, I hate that phrase that we throw out, right? Like, God won't place any more on you than you can handle. God will never ask you for anything more than you can handle. Oh, yes, he will. Tell Abraham God won't ask you for more than you can handle. Tell Abraham that God will never ask you to do something you don't have the strength for. Abraham didn't have that strength. He wasn't that good. God was. God gave him the ability and empowered him with the strength to walk out the obedience. Whatever God is calling you to, whatever God is asking you for, I want you to know he's going to empower you with that internal strength that you need to walk it out. Luke 11 says this, starting in verse 9, Jesus is talking, and he says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who seeks, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? We all, we're familiar with this. Listen to, the, listen to the end of it. Listen to how Jesus sums this up. This is the point he's trying to make. He says, if you, though, then you are evil, know how to good give Give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What does the Holy Spirit do when we ask for the Holy Spirit? He gives us internal strength. See, God doesn't just provide for us externally. He provides for us internally. You don't think you got the strength to forgive that person for how they hurt you? You may not, but the Holy Spirit does. If you ask him, he will give you the strength through his Holy Spirit to walk it up. You don't think you have the, the, the boldness to share your faith with that person you work with. Maybe you don't, but the Holy Spirit does. How much more will the Father in heaven who loves you, who is good, give good gifts to his children? If we ask, when you need something internally, and we all need something internally, he is ready and willing and able to provide that internal provision. He gives you the Holy Spirit. Well, well, Galatians gives us nine things that the Holy Spirit evidences himself with. Nine things we call them fruits of the Holy Spirit. You need some love in your life. Maybe you need some love for your spouse. Maybe you need some love for your kid. Maybe you need some love for your neighbor. Maybe you need some love for yourself. I don't know. You need, maybe you need more love for God. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. He provides internally. You need some joy in your life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. He provides it internally. You need some peace in your life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is peace. He provides it internally. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Maybe you need some self-control to stop doing that thing you know is destructive in your life. The Holy Spirit provides that internally. We serve a God who provides externally. But sometimes I think we focus way too much on the external and forget there's something he wants to do in here. He provides for us internally as well. He says, I'll give you all that I am. I will give you more than enough. We got to remember to ask. We got to remember to believe him for that. He provides for us externally. He provides for us internally. My God provides, number three, God provides eternally. He provides for us internally and externally, but 
praise God, most importantly, he provides for us eternally. Genesis chapter 22, going back to our story of Abraham and Isaac, picking it up where we left off. Abraham just made this great declaration that God has provided, and we're going to name this place Yahweh Yirah. In verse 22, or excuse me, verse 15 of chapter 22, it says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Don't get me wrong. God provides in our disobedience, but God's greatest provision will always show up in our obedience. The greatest provision of God will always show up when we line ourselves up with his will. We submit ourselves to his will. We walk out what, he, what he's asking us to do. He's good, and he provides even when we're off. But, man, he provides incredibly when we're off, when we line up with what he's asking for. You see, here we see clearly a foreshadowing of Jesus. Abraham didn't comprehend all this. I don't think, I don't think he understood exactly what God was promising when God said, I'm going to bless all nations on earth through you and through the nation that comes out of you. But he's foreshadowing Jesus. He said, there's a Savior that the world needs. And Abraham, I've chosen you and your family to bring that Savior into the world. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named, named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of them's name was Judah. 11 generations after Judah, through his line, there shows up a guy named David. This famous king. 14 generations after David, the, the, the children of Israel are carried off in, into captivity. 14 generations after they're carried off into captivity, who shows up on the scene? Jesus. 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus. 41 from Isaac to Jesus. This promise was a long time coming. Sometimes the things God's going to provide may not even show up in your lifetime, but it doesn't mean he's not working. It doesn't mean he's not up to something. It just might mean it's bigger than you. It might mean it's bigger than your call, bigger than your life. You're just playing a piece in it. You're just playing a part in it. But God is going to provide. Amen? He's providing even eternal provided eternally for us through Jesus, that Jesus would come and be the second Isaac, right? Like be the greater Isaac, the same way that, that, that Isaac and Abraham went up a hill. Later on, a, a father would lead his son, his only son, up a hill, and he'd place wood on his back and take him to be the sacrifice. And in the same way that God asked Abraham to give up Isaac but never actually took him, God willingly laid down his own son. And here's what I think is so cool about this story. Here's what I found in it this week that, I, that I've never seen before. Because if we, if we side with the Bible scholars, and usually that's a safe place to be, and we assume that, that Isaac is at least 20 years old, Isaac now goes from an innocent victim to someone who was willingly going to lay down his life because he trusted his father. Right? If you're a 20-year-old who's capable of carrying this wood up the hill, you can overpower your 120-year-old father. Right? Like, you can, you can take him. But Isaac says, no, I trust you, Daddy. I trust you. You see something bigger. I know you hear from God, and so I trust you. What amazing faith. What amazing submission that he would willingly lay down his life. Now, God didn't take it, but Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. For you and for me. Why? So that God could provide for you eternally. Sometimes there may be things in this life that we never see. 
man, there may be relationships that aren't restored. There, there may be healings that we don't experience. I believe with all my heart that God heals. But sometimes we don't see those things. Sometimes we pray for somebody and they die. Right? Let's just be real. Sometimes it happens. But I know this. Even when God does not provide externally, even when I don't feel him providing internally, I know he provides eternally. His promise is always true because he is Yahweh Yira. He is the great provider. And he provides for us today. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God always provides. His provision is full of surprises. It doesn't always show up the way we expect it to. But God always provides for us, and he provides externally, internally, and eternally. Would you pray with me?